Hi, everyone. Welcome to Prefer Not To, sometime cocktail hour. Always cocktail hour. With your hosts, Kate Matthews and Josh Lucas, as detailed in paragraph 119 of the Apple End User License Agreement. I am, in fact, not Kate. And as I realized the other day while meditating in full lotus, I'm not Josh. Uh, Every episode, Kate and I sample a cocktail, ideally one that we haven't had before, render a verdict on it in some way, and talk about whatever bits of culture have been floating through our transom of late. It has been movie sequels that may or may not have been forgotten. And some that were unfortunate. And quite a few, in fact, uh, that were unfortunate. So, Kate, what cocktail and or unfortunate sequel will we be talking about today? Well, this is the uh, second part of our I guess this is the sequel to our last episode where we uh, had the Americano and watched Dominion, uh, prequel to The Exorcist. And this week we are having the Negroni mm-hmm. and we watched Exorcist colon The Beginning. And uh, this is the original or not original, depending on how you look at it, version of the movie that we looked at last week. This is the one that was released first in theaters, but it was filmed second. And much like last week's cocktail, this week's cocktail, uh, last week's movie, this week's cocktail is a version, after a fashion, of last week's cocktail, correct? Yes. Uh, And the Negroni is related to the Americano in some way? Yes. Well, I'm eager to hear all about those things, but as you know, we have to do the standard disclaimers first. Yep. Standard disclaimer number one, neither Kate nor I is a cocktail or movie expert. It's very likely that one or the other of us will ruin a batch of your favorite cocktail or say something horribly ill-informed about a movie or television show that you like. The best way to address that problem is to email us at pntcast at gmail.com. We mean no offense, uh, and we hope you'll continue to join us on this journey through cocktails and stuff. Or you can just yell really loudly at your computer or at your phone in public, and then people won't be like, hey, dude, what are you yelling at? And you'll be like, prefer not to. And they'll be like, i got to hear that. I spend about four four to five hours a day with my ear just pressed up against my monitor so that I can hear the ever so faint cries of people who have been offended by something I said on on the show. That doesn't have anything to do with the podcast, though. That's just you in general on the internet. Well, I have always had a problem with technology uh, causing me to hear voices. Oh, okay. So that's disclaimer number one, which leads us into uh, standard disclaimer number two. Alcoholism and addiction are serious conditions, Uh, not unlike hearing voices or toenail fungus. If you had a problem with either of those, you certainly wouldn't try to deal with it on your own because God knows you can't handle toenail fungus on your own, but especially not uh, hearing voices. And likewise, if you think you might have a drinking problem or if you think a friend might have a drinking problem, you probably should uh, be under the care of an expert. Did and the... by expert, I don't mean somebody like in a robe. I mean like a doctor. What if it's a doctor that wears robes around the office? No, no. I think that's a good way to weed out doctors that you don't want to do business with. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying like what if it was like a practice where a doc, they all wore robes and they were white and they still had like the name stitched on them. It's just instead of a white coat, they wore a white bathrobe because they wanted to be more comfy. Yeah, no, that's a spa or cult. I'm just saying. Spalt. A spalt. Um, why, why are you thinking about toe fungus? Because uh, my hands are real itchy. It's the thing with the winter. My, my hands get all itchy and then today my foot got really itchy. And you have toe fungus? No, but I, I extrapolated as too, I want to yeah. do. Uh, to the worst possible scenario, which is uh, I have. And the worst possible scenario is uh, trench rot, but then I work back from that. <laughs> is it 1918? In my heart, always. Okay. It's the songs of W.C. Handy and Scott Joplin forever. Mm-hmm. In, in my little pea-sized, hateful heart. So speaking of things that are pea-sized and hateful, the Negroni. <laughs> I don't know about that. We haven't tried it yet. 
The Negroni is a cocktail that's traditionally served as an aperitif. Like the Americano, it contains Campari and vermouth, excuse me, sweet vermouth, but instead of club soda, it has gin. So it's like a Mm -hmm. martini that's made with Campari instead of just as an extra. It's was supposedly invented or it is named after um, a Italian count, Camillo Negroni, who was fond of the Americano and ordered it quite frequently. And then until one day when he was at his favorite bar in Florence, he asked the bartender to make it with gin instead mm-hmm. of club soda to give it a little bit of a kick. And so that's why it's... Count Negroni? Yes. Because you make it with gin and he liked gin? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. You know, if you make it with chocolate milk, it's a chocula. Um, Count Camilla Negroni, who was, uh, he was at the Cafe Cassoni, and he asked that the bartender switch out soda water and had the Americano for gin. That's one story about Camilla Negroni. The other one is that the cocktail was invented by General Pascal Olivier de Negroni. Mm-hmm. Who this family has a lot of people who things are nameable after. He's also a count, by the way, General mm-hmm. Pascal. Was he of, of the same lineage as the other Negroni? Unclear. Very unclear. Because you'd think that they would have to be related if they were both counts and they were named Negroni. But... I don't know. You know, aristocrats are all related somehow. But apparently General Pascal may have served it to his wife to cure her stomach ills while they were stationed in Senegal in 1860. And uh, some sources also claim that Camillo Negroni invented it as a hangover cure. There's actually been a lot of fighting. We're coming back now to that on the the hangover cure. There's been a lot of um, fighting between Pascal Negroni's modern-day descendants Mm -hmm. who like to claim that, you know, their great, 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 great guy invented it. And the story about Camillo Negroni inventing it is just, you know, completely, it's bullshit. And the happy part of that story is that we know that uh, 19th century Italians historically solved their problems by talking to one another. Uh, not through the resort to fisticuffs. So the people that are Pascal's descendants um, mm-hmm. claim that there's never been anyone named Camillo Negroni that's related to them. And, and what uh, did the descendants of this putatively non-existent me, person excuse think? Excuse me, excuse me. Like The people have pointed out that there is no Camillo Negroni on Pascal's side of the family, to mm-hmm. which they that I've there was actually like a stir up on forums on the internet a few years ago about this. Really, of his current day relatives? Yeah, and um, wow, it has been further. Uh, I'm going to read from this article that was so written. feuding and feuding Italian families. Then take it to Tumblr. Yes. Wow. On July seventeenth, seventeen ninety three, my family was declared traitors to the French Revolution, as where as we were at the service of King Louis the Sixteenth, as the Corsica Black Knight, Negroni, and executioners of the realm. So yes, we had a few name changes and hid under the Corsica Napoleon. The Corsica Napoleon and became Emperor of France. Corsican. It says until the Corsica. Yeah. It's from a translation. Okay. I'm going to post this on the website. But um, that was also Pascal Olivier passed away in 1913 before it ever appeared at the Cafe Cassoni in Florence. Mm. So... There's that whole point to it. It's like, well, we don't really think it was him. Also, anyone who hadn't probably combined gin with Campari and vermouth, like I feel like that's something that probably happened way before 1919. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, um, little. So the one story. So the one story is that it was for his wife as a digestive aid. The other story is what? Just standard aperitif. The one is that the other Negroni was like, yo, I like Americanos. Let's put some gin in this shit okay. and see what happens. And it stuck. You know, this is another one of those drinks that's uh, 
if we've learned anything through our course of the history of cocktails, it's that a lot of cocktails get created to solve upset stomach problems. Yes. Which you would think it's sort of a testament to the bullheaded uh, insistence that it's not the alcohol that's causing these stomach problems. Like that if only we drank the right kind of alcohol, we wouldn't uh, wake up nauseated and uh, and play an ass jazz on the toilet. Yeah. All right. And so, all right, this is one family member on a forum who said, if dueling were legal in Italy, I would be challenging all those who made these insulting, offensive, slanderous, libelous, derogatory, and defamatory statements to a duel with the de- to the death. Wow. <laughs> and, and no matter, so 1919 is when Camillo, instead of Pascal, apparently commi- committed it. Committed Negroni. Committed Negroni. Negroni aside. Um Invented we it, haven't drunk but, it yet. <laughs> but um, it didn't actually even show up in the 1922 uh, version of Harry's ABC of Mixing Cocktails. Mm-hmm. His cocktails, the Void Book. It didn't even show up in the next edition. I think it finally showed up in the 1950s as the Negroni. And another thing that's really funny is for a while, the picture of, of someone was on Negroni. I forgot to mention this. Um, whatever happened... Camillo Negroni's family mm-hmm. started bottling ready-made versions of the cocktail, ah, crafty, and they had selling the name. it from no one their can distillery. Say you use your own name, and then they usually they usually sold it with this guy on the cover, mm-hmm. and he was long purported to be Negroni. Mm-hmm. However, that's that's just some dude. That's just some dude. It's actually he's a philanthropist and uh, a cat lover. He's famous painter, explorer, writer, anthro- anthropologist, and cat lover, Arnold Henry Savage Landor. <laughs> okay. So, well, good on you, Arnold Henry Savage. And then this Landor. is what the actual Camilla <laughs> looked like. They look nothing alike. Because um, it, a lot of people, again. That would be like if I, because my last name was Lucas, just started saying, oh, these are Lucas's star toys. Some people <laughs> doubted that he ever existed. Some people said that it was Pascal. And then if you actually do, and this is an actual article, someone did go to Ancestry.com and look it up, and there was a Count Camilla who's alive at the time. So I think by and large, all of the stories are apocryphal, mm-hmm. but the Negroni family ended up capitalizing on the cocktail in 1919 when they started selling the distill- from the distillery in Treviso, Italy. And it was just kind of around. And then while working in Rome on the film Black Magic, Orson Welles mm-hmm. told the newspaper the Cockshuckton Tribune. Wait, that is that... Those sound again like like three syllables people just put together. The guy Cockshuckton? I'm from Cockshuckton. <laughs> It's in Ohio. I the think paper I, there is the Tribune. I mean, <laughs> the Conk Chicken Tribune. They have a great crossword. It's in Ohio. But in an interview, uh, Orson Welles told um, the newspaper about the beverage saying that the bitters are excellent for your liver, the gin is bad for you. They balance each other. Yeah. Uh, Orson, uh, yeah. More power to you. So I think anyone who listened to our show last week is going to have a question for us. <laughs> What's that? Which is that, uh, you know, we did not enjoy the beverage that we had last week. No, we did not. And this week's beverage is a, a version of that drink? Yeah. What are we doing? With our lives? I don't know. Unclear. Uh, yeah. I don't. I think at this point, uh, we have only ourselves to blame. <laughs> So uh, do you want to go first or do you well, want me to go first? Well, I committed to the – I'll tell you. I mean, like, I came up with this idea when you were talking about the Exorcist movies. And I was like, you know, that would actually work great with a pair of cocktails I've been looking at because they're, you know, mm-hmm. the same, very similar but also different. And I felt like we can't turn back. We can't mm-hmm. go back now after this. Plus, I've heard a lot of good things about the Negroni. And, yes, I realize I said that about the Americana last week before yeah. we tried it. However, a lot more people in the Negroni 
camp articles, good eats, stuff that I read about, you know, all that, say that it is definitely an acquired taste, but that once you acquire that taste, you will love it for life. So I kind of feel like some kind of weird penguin that is being forced to crawl across hot coals. Ain't no normal penguins. (laughs) And um, to, to find its, you know, its mate or whatever, but... I am a little... What? Wait. Okay, I'm going to back up here a little bit. <laughs> what nature channel are you watching? It's. It was a joke. Okay. Because, you know, once you... Penguins have to walk, what penguins have to walk on hot coals? Okay, so let me break down okay. the joke to you. That was probably lame. You're saying that people are... When you drink the Negroni for the first time, you're not going to like it, but eventually it becomes something that you really like and enjoy, right. and you'll want it for the rest of your life as a great summer cocktail. Right. Just like when penguins walk Mating on for hot life. coals. And I feel like a penguin because penguins made for life. But to get to that person, you have to crawl across something. And what would be more painful to a penguin than hot coals? I don't that, know. That is like some Farrakhan level convoluted numerology shit you're throwing my way. Farrakhan? Really? You, you've never heard him do like numerology? It's like if you look at the 42 and reverse the 2 and the 4, that's 24, which in 1924 was when they created the Federal Reserve to oppress the black man. That's like the number twenty. That's like that twenty-seven movie with fucking Jim Carrey. Yeah, so, like that's. It's twenty-three. Oh, twenty. <laughs> shit. Well, no, I, I know this only because there are a lot of people who are fixated on the number twenty-three, including a friend of mine uh, who is a wonderful, crazy person who mm-hmm. I love very dearly, but is fixated on uh, the number twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what you're telling me is you feel like twenty-three penguins uh, bathing in lava. This drink is looking up. Well, I haven't tried it yet. Okay, so do you want to try it, or you want me to try? I'll try. It. I'll you try first. it. You go first. But I feel like we, we have to be generous because we know what we're getting into this time. You so we have to it? evaluate let's, let's, it. We have to evaluate it in the terms of someone who liked the Americano. Right, well, we Put to... yourself in that mindset. Try to imagine what kind of a disturbed, broken individual likes the Americano. I kind of liked it. And evaluate the Negroni on those terms. I kind of liked it after I was done drinking it and I got the taste out of my mouth, but still had that nice like booze flush going on. That's like saying you like getting a boil lanced because you no longer have a boil. True. Okay. All right. Let's All smell right. it. Bottoms up, kids. It smells like... It's <laughs> not a good face. What is that face? <laughs> Can we add a segment to our show where we have a live cam of us trying the drinks? Okay, so it starts off better than the Americano. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. So the flavor, the front upfront flavor, you can it's actually gin. taste the citrus. Oh, okay. Because really? The, well, you know, because the gin is already sort of citrusy because mm-hmm. the juniper. Uh, so you can taste the alleged orange, which we could not last week in the Americano. But it gets worse. <laughs> oh, God. Why did I let you try it first? Now I'm and, scared. Um, you remember how I said last week that, uh, that the Americano tasted like sucking on dimes? Yeah. So this tastes like uh, French kissing dimes. <laughs> Uh, on the bud. I don't know. But it's very metallic. Some? I can't think straight right now, Kate. It's very metallic. It tastes like it's... Just taste it. Oh, God. Okay. Shit. I'm, you know, and I, I... You know that urban legend that you hear when you're a kid that uh, menthol cigarettes actually have fiberglass in them? Mm-hmm. Because the white man wants to kill the black man or something? Yeah. I don't believe that. But if someone had told me that this... <laughs> Was, a was in some way well, not that, but it, that this drink was in some way a constituent product of the process used to create Owens Corning fiberglass insulation. I would believe that. Okay, go. All right. The front is fine. The front is okay. 
It's really when you get down to the back end that it's uh, – yeah, see, there you go. It took a good two seconds for that. And then there's the – it's a three-stage uh, thing, really. <sighs> What is stage three? That's you're in stage three right there. What is stage two then? That was that middle stage, the oh, and then stage three is the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my mouth. You know those. Uh, my mouth tastes like those garbage piles in the Philippines where ten-year-old kids pick through electronics to find precious metals. Yeah. I think the vapors that come out of those. That's what my mouth uh, tastes like. Right now. Okay, so after last week, I actually looked up um, can Campari spoil. Uh huh. It it doesn't okay. really. It's you know um. It, it will, you know, vermouth will go bad right, if you don't. It's wine. If you don't, you know, store it properly, like put it in your fridge when you're done. Which I figured out is our problem because we just leave it on the bar. You have to use it within like 48 hours of opening it, which is why we should get much smaller bottles. Yeah, we should. Um, uh, but Campari, like more than anything, the sugar content in Campari will like, you know, make it hard to open. So if you Decide. It'll crystallize. Yeah, if you decide to have a Negroni in you know July, and That's then you don't want to drink it another one until next July, it'll you know crust over. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I have come up with a good use for this drink. Yes. Okay, this is serious. Okay. Yes. So if we're ever like in public someplace, yeah, right, or if we haven't seen each <gasps> other in a long time, right? Oh, okay. I just thought of another idea, but go yeah, ahead. But like, let me. So we haven't seen each other in a long time, right? And we're looking like we're you know and. Maybe we're with some people or whatever, and you yeah you say hey what are you what are you gonna get to drink and I order a Negroni. Mm-hmm. You will know to contact the police immediately because something is deeply wrong. Oh, with the people that you're with, just whatever. Like that's it's like our our emergency safe word. Well, now everybody ordering knows. a Negroni. Whatever. Nobody the eleven people who accidentally click on this in iTunes. Negroni. Yeah, but you know, it's not like Lemon Tree on Seinfeld. But, <laughs> You know, that was it. no, but it's like if I order a Negroni, you know that something is deeply and you, your radar should go up. Okay, so I was thinking that it was going to be something like um, if you find someone that if you're at a bar and you notice you spy someone that you really don't care for, like, you know, maybe an ex lover or just someone you've always thought was a jerk, you can do that thing where you buy them a drink without them knowing who it comes from, mm-hmm. and then you buy them a Negroni and they've never had it before, and then they sip it and they're like, oh, this is going to be. Yeah, but if they're a bad person that you broke up with, they might like it. It doesn't have to be someone that you were dating. Because as we all know, things that taste good are enjoyed by good people, and things that taste bad are enjoyed by bad people. It's why the devil eats poop and beets. (laughs) Wasn't that in the movie that we watched? (laughs) Speaking of devils. Yeah, wasn't that in the movie? The devil was just like sitting there with a big plate of poop and beets. I'm just trying to Vandekamp poop and beets. Oh, I'm just trying to think, like, why do people enjoy these? I think it's probably, it's. you know, I bet, honestly, I bet it's one of those things like cilantro, where there's just, like, some people's tongues uh, like it, and some people's tongues don't. Because, yeah, there's, like, 10% of the world that finds eating cilantro like eating poop. Yeah, I, I knew that, but I feel like this is not one of those things. I feel like this is just an awful beverage in, in all sorts of forms, because, you know, the other one is really bitter, but this is... Like you said, it's like it goes in. You're like, oh, this is kind of refreshing. It hits the middle part of your mouth. Right, you get the martini that's up you, front. That's where you get the 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 hint, the the, the bitterness starts, mm-hmm. and then after you swallow it, it just lingers. It's back just there. all over your mouth. It just yeah. lingers down your throat. And yeah, it's try. bad. It's bad. I'm gonna try it again. If you like a Negroni, please contact us because I want. Yeah, I, I want to know, know what, what the you fuck like. we're doing wrong. Well, no, I just want to know what you like because. 
different tastes, you know, different strokes for different folks. Scooby Dooby Dooby. Yeah, it's good until you swallow it. Oh, dear God. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe what you need to do is just hold it in your mouth. You never swallow it. You just leave it in your mouth and slowly absorb the alcohol yeah, in through your cheeks. Yeah, that's mouthwash. Is it mouthwash? Is that what it is? It doesn't taste like... Oh. <sighs> you ready to talk about our movie? Christ! Are you ready to, to cleanse your brain with a, a really, really, really bad movie? Well, I... We had... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us a, a little bit about... Uh, this week's movie was called Exorcist Colon the Beginning. Is that right? Or Exorcist M Dash the Beginning? Are you okay? Do you need to Do you need to go to the no. ladies' room? Okay. No. Sorry, it's just really bad. And now yeah, it's I'm not just... a good drink. God. Okay, so no, it was Exorcist Colon the Beginning. Okay. It took that, wait. <laughs> you know, for a beverage that tastes so much like Robitussin, you're sounding really congested. I think it's because I'm trying to like, you know, when you can do that thing where you can um. Food can smell or taste, and you can like block off your nose, and it won't taste as much. Right, because most of tasting is this the synergy with smelling. And, and I was just maybe if I'm thinking that if I like pinch my nose enough, then I won't taste it. Right. Anymore. That makes great podcasting, by the way. Uh, huh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Now you're just doing James Woods in uh, Ghosts of Mississippi again. What are you doing, Kim? So what are you doing, Gables? All right. Or alternatively, those pig guys in Return of the Jedi. Oh, you mean the the guards at Jabba's yeah. place? Okay, yeah. Okay, so this is Exorcist colon the beginning. Mm-hmm. We talked about the um, Dominion colon prequel to The Exorcist last week. I was gonna say we talked about the production history of these two movies right. last week. Give us a brief couple sentence recap if people didn't listen to last week's episode. If they uh, accidentally clicked this week but not last week. Um, so this was a movie that was retooled from uh, a pretty much completed movie made by Paul Schrader called Dominion, colon, The Exorcist, about young Father Marin in Africa when he first encounters the demon Pazuzu. Although I don't think Pazuzu is named in either movie as Pazuzu. Not is in it, these two, yeah. I don't think. No. Um, I mean, it's very clear that that's who it is in the in the Paul Schrader one, but this one they sort of make it into, like, the devil devil. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, it was filmed with the cast. It was, uh, I think, screened probably a couple times, and the studio didn't like it, so they recast they didn't recast it all the all that much they recast some of the roles and then they gave it to Rennie Harlan who About directed half the it. major roles got recast yeah gave it to Rennie Harlan who directed the same script sort of with a lot of the same actors but it's the same plot basically and uh, his version was released eventually well his version was released and it did not do well critically at the box office it also didn't recuperate its budget I think it had like an 80 million budget and it only made like 78 million mm-hmm. back or something. So then the studio got some pressure and they gave Paul Schrader a little bit more money to put the finishing touches on his version and then they released that. Just to try and save some face. Which got better reviews, not great. But also but, didn't make money. But also didn't make money. So that's it was a very this, limited release. It's a weird story behind this. So we watched Exorcist, the, Domin- the Dominion Exorcist one last week, which is the one by Rennie Hart. No, Paul the one by Paul Schrader. This week we watched the other one. Um, okay. So give us a plot summary um, of this one standing on its own, I think. So Father Marin, like Hester Marin, is played um, by Stellan Skarsgård. So it, he's he's back. He's back. Um, it starts off with him going to a bazaar, like in Africa, where he's approached by a, a British guy who's like, like go it's find It's pretty this. much a cut and paste ripoff of the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, or Hellraiser. With... Uh, with Indiana Jones and Belloc uh, in the in the bar, except he's meeting Ben Cross, who is playing some sort of 
I don't, wh- who was he? He was from the British government or something. He's uh, yeah. He's like he's like an antiquities dealer or something like oh, that. Oh right, and the, he he's has, like kind of slimy. I have a client who wants to pay you for something to find this statue at this dig in Kenya. So he says, "Okay, I'll do it," because he is being haunted by a mysterious girl child when he's asleep. And right, um, I think it's is it hinted at this point that he used to be a priest. Yeah, because he's on sabbatical right. in Kenya. And so he he goes to this um, this this region of Kenya to look for this mysterious this artifact. He has like a drawing of it or whatever. When he gets there, he notices that there's a church that was built in like 500 A.D. long before Christianity had reached the region of Africa, and being currently being un dug out of the sands. It's really cool looking. It's the same set as the church. From yeah, the it's the same. Day. It's the same fucking set. He uh, is joined by a young, sexy priest named Francis, who was mm. recast for this version. And if you watch uh, a- Agents of Shield, it's the guy who plays Jarvis on Agents of Shield. Although he is inexplicably American uh, in this. Yeah. Even though he's, he's actually English. Yeah, he's on his way to do missionary work in East Africa, but like he stops to hang out with Father Marin because oh no, the Vatican sent him there to make sure that the church isn't. Right. They, they, they've they in one of the changes, they've added this sort of subplot of the church knows what the history of this place is. And they think it's where Lucifer fell to earth. Well, that's what like the ancient documents yeah, support. The or ancient something. secret cryptic documents that, you know, they only keep in the Vatican. And that's why this kid right. is because it's for- 2004 and we have to make it into uh, the Da Vinci Code. I almost said the Big Bang Da Vinci Code. Theory. The Big Bang Da Vinci Code. So they all get there. Again, This, like the first one, the, the British are kind of in control of the dig, and there's some tensions going on between the British and the native Kenyans. There's, um, there's like, a creepy, like, boil man <laughs> who's, like, lecherous and sweaty and, like, gross. And then uh, uh, there's another sexy nurse, this time named Sarah. Not, not Rachel. Oh, doctor, excuse me, who's still... Um, Experienced concentration right. camp, but her name same is character, Sarah but this they've time. way sexied her up and recast her with Bond girl Isabella Skorupko, who and, has big boobies, and she's blonde. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of. I also think they changed her name, like from one Rachel old to Sarah. To like I was like, really? Okay. And then Marin is accompanied by a translator named Chuma, who's played by the same guy as played it in the first movie. Yeah, but um, he's also the father of two kids, right. James and Joseph. James and Joseph? Something like that. Something very Jesus-y. So everybody gets there. So stuff starts happening. You know, there's like a, a worker has a seizure, which people are like, oh, that, that's just heat stroke. Um, you know, there's a lot of creepy stuff. The church itself, um, you know, there's the whole idea that it looks, it's, it dates from 500 AD, but it is basically brand new as if it was buried right after it was built. They dig down into it. They come through the. They enter the church through in the a much dome. Sp- spookier fashion. Very, very Lots Raiders of, of the Lost Ark. Yeah. There's a lot of straight out lifts of, from Raiders of the Lost Ark in this one. Because they have to come in through the top. So it's just it, like when Indy yeah. is lowered into the the right. pit of souls like, or whatever. There are uh, yeah any number of the. T- well, we'll finish the summary and then we'll talk about what's different. But yeah. Um, so when they're inside the church, they find that all of the statues are of angels who are pointing their weapons downwards. Right, like in the first movie. And um, they are trying to figure out what's going on there. They come to this, you know, conclusion somehow magically that the church is holding something in instead of letting something out. And then someone has also vandalized the church by, like, taking a crucifix and putting it, Hanging up, it upside s- down. Putting it upside down with Christ still on it. 
So he's going to try and figure out what's going on because he's, you know, Father Mayor, and I guess that's what he's going to do. And he asks about the lead archaeologist on on the dig, uh, who's this Frenchie. And the doctor, sexy doctor, tells mm-hmm. him that uh, Frenchie he's gone mad. went mad and was transferred to a insane asylum in Nairobi. While that's going on, Marin visits the remains of his tent. I'm not sure how long ago he was, like, put there, you know, because his tent is still yeah, up. Yeah, the tent, it's... And it's I like, know. I don't think that without someone... But there's, like, cobwebs in the tent. Yeah, but there's still, like, stuff in the tent. Like, there's a bunch of creepy drawings that, like, look like the, the thing he's supposed to come get. Right. And he's like, oh, I gotta go talk to him. So he goes to Nairobi and talks to him, and he's predictably being all creepy. And he carves a swastika in his chest. Yeah, and he and carves says, a... God is not here today, priest. And then, when do we get the the flashback. So, is it when he's at the mental institution? So events escalate in the village. The villagers, uh, two of the boys in the village uh, start get attacked by a gang of hyenas that jump out of a well. Jonathan and James. James and, and it jo- kills, right. it kills James and Joseph. It kills, kills James, one of them. James, who gets eaten by a pack of dog and, and is ripped apart. And Joseph the younger is one ignored completely. Is ignored completely. And then he kind of goes into this catatonic fugue state right. where he's just like you know, everyone's like, oh, well, it's shock because he saw his own brother be torn apart. Right. So then they start treating the boy in the hospital. The priest becomes convinced that the kid is uh, possessed or something. Um, the locals also become convinced that he has to be driven out of his spirit. And they come and perform a ritual that is disrupted by a violent windstorm. Then he starts, like, frothing at the mouth and shit. Right. Uh, and then as events escalate, as in the previous movie, the British general randomly shoots a guy. Uh, in the middle of nowhere, and then runs into the tent and starts hearing crazy voices tell him to kill himself, and a locust crawls out of his mouth, and he shoots shoots the locust in his mouth and shoots his head off for some reason. Or a butterfly. It was a butterfly. I thought it was a locust. No, it was a butterfly. Okay. Or a moth. That's even weirder, then. That it wasn't a locust. (laughs) Or like a fly or something that's like associated with Satan. So then they go back to the temple. The guy with the boils on his face in some way has been... Lured back to the temple and uh, vivisectioned in really gruesome fashion. Let me back up and say this movie has a lot more blood in it than yeah. the first movie. Like a lot. Well, at one point, more blood. he tried to like assault Sarah, right? Because right, he's an ugly man, and therefore every ugly man is driven by sexual urges that he can't control. And he's got like huge boils on his face. He's like, "Oh, love, come here, oh, love, come and lance me, puss." <laughs> and so he he's been shown to by his attempted like not really rape, but his leering and his right. puss <laughs> that he's well, not it's a like good the dude. Typical nice guy paradigm where it lets Stellan Skarsgård become a sexualized object for the doctor simply because he has saved her from the attentions of an unattractive man. It's like the total nice guy uh, checklist. I'm a nice guy. I didn't get that from it. You didn't get that? Then in the next scene, she's naked in a shower. Well, I was going to say, I got the idea, what I got from their relationship, because spoilers, they make out at one point. Do they make out or do they just kiss? There's some kissy face. I, I, they're both like wounded souls who are trying to escape their past. You bought and I, way more into no, no, this no. plot. And I, I didn't think that it necessarily worked or that it was that convincing, but I think that's what they were trying to no, do. No, what there. they were trying to do was get a boobsy woman into a movie that had uh, a not boobsy woman and get her as naked as possible and uh, then sexualize the violence you against her. Can't get them naked, get them in the desert. Yeah. So then uh, it all comes to a climax for some damn reason or this other. This creepy, there's like, uh, Father Marion keeps having this like flashback to this girl skipping through snow and it gets more and more revealed until, hey, spoilers. Well, but why Why does he end up going down into the thing? Oh, because the priest, he, they, they believe that the boy has kidnapped the priest 
uh, and the doctor and the doctor and gone down into the temple. And this is where we discovered that there's an under temple where evil Pazuzu was. Where Satan um, fell to earth or some shit. Right. And uh, then the doctor gets killed. I mean, the priest gets killed. Right. What mm-hmm. kills the priest? And uh, then we learn, it, spoilers, it's been a stupid head fake all along. There's a twist, and it's actually been uh, Busty McDoctor who's been possessed the whole time. Yeah, and Busty the- McDoctor then reveals that Stone Skarsgård was, when he was in the war, as in the previous movie, when he was in the war, he was a priest in a town where the Nazis forced him to choose who got murdered uh, by because, the Nazis. Yeah, because there's a local resistance unit. Then through the superpowers given to him by the Council of Justice and Jesus Christ, he uh, repels her with, like, force powers and throws no, her against the no, wall. No, because when he goes to see Frenchie in the mental asylum, as he's leaving, like, the right. abbe that runs the place is like, I think that he was brushed by the wings of evil. Um, here, and, take this exorcism equipment with you before you go back. Yeah. And Stella Skarsgård is like, all right, but I don't think I'm going to use them. Yeah, but then he does so use his magic them. superpowers. And it's, it's, it's like the most thoroughly dereligiousized. And we'll get to this later, but it's basically just makes him into like a Jedi, yeah. and he can like f- for. And then she does a bunch of stupid stuff that's meant to call back to the first Exorcist movie. She's like crawling movie, on the ceiling, where she and spider shit. crawls around on the ceiling, and, goes, <laughs> and she gets like a scary face and starts talking about having sex with him, and like doing that licky thing, and like her skin turns white, right. and it's she all like, like rotty, like the <laughs> you know kind right. of thing. And he's all like, you know, the power of Christ compels you. And, and then, then she, he beats the demon, but it kills the girl. And then in a closing scene, he's back in Rome, uh, having accepted his fate as an exorcist. And, and he, we um, see him walking away from the camera, not unlike the silhouette of Max von Sydow in the first movie when he was first seen walking toward the camera with his bag and his hat. Yeah, well, there's uh, also, back. like, he goes back to the antiquities dealer and is like, I'm sorry, I couldn't find what you're looking for. And then the antiquities dealer, like, looks at him and, like, cocks an eyebrow and is like, but you found something, didn't, didn't you? Show. And yeah. he turns my name. Oh, he's wearing his collar again. Right. Shit. So twist. So that's uh, Exorcist Cole in the beginning. As you probably already tell from the things I said, I've found a lot that was really distasteful, not unlike a Negroni in this movie. It's it against the rules for us to to say do that the, the, movie the movie was the, the drink. drink and versa. No, because I was going to do the same thing too. Let's just give you our verdict now on that one. That this movie and this drink were thoroughly, thoroughly well prepared. So they're uh, well paired. There's, I think it's most illustrative in terms of the thing. Well, what did you think, first of all? Um, there's some things. I think that, you liked it better than I did. I liked this movie better than you did. Um, I also, you know, I guess I had fond memories when I saw it in the theater. Um, I don't know. I liked the chick in this one better than the chick in the last one. I thought, I, I guess when I watched it the first time in theaters, I didn't realize how sexualized she was. And then I'm watching this one. It's like she might as well just be like a sexy nurse walking around. Yeah, with at like, one point, the devil makes her uh, bleed from her crotch. Well, yeah, but <laughs> there's no well to that. I mean, that's it's like what I'm saying. She might as well be the cartoon sexy nurse walking around with a giant needle, going, "Who needs a prick?" Mm. You know, um, JK, JK, JK. Um, the the sexualized violence is kind of, I mean, it is over the top, and it's kind of once it happens, it just keeps happening, and you're it, it leaves you. It's it's not effective at all. Like in the original Exorcist, she fucking masturbates with a crucifix but it's disturbing and they don't keep going back to that well and right you know Um, um and you know like forces her own mom to eat her out again disturbing but it happens so quickly and they don't go back to it and don't keep relying on it i think this took a lot from the first movie but not in a good way, just kind of like, hey, remember, this is an exorcist movie. Well, and it's horrif- horrifying in that movie because she's a child. So it's 
calls a stark contrast that there's this being that is possessing her that is causing her to do things that are not what a child would do. Yeah, especially okay. when they pair that with the real innocent child inside where she'll she'll right. every once in a while snap out of it and right. you get to see the real so Reagan before the demon Contrast that her. with this sexy woman who you put the devil in and how do we know the devil's in her? She gets super sexy. Yeah. You know. But at the same time, that's also a callback to the fact that, you know, the devil... And, and uh, that's another thing that pissed me off about this movie. It's not the devil. It's supposed to be fucking Pazuzu. He's right. not Satan. Like... So, the it, it's not it, yeah i'm 100% with you on that that it's it's supposed to be a very narrowly focused origin story of how this you know it's like like in an origin story in a comic book uh, you know you learn how the superhero got his powers and why his particular nemesis villain is his particular nemesis villain and how they got be that their green powers goblin and or the that. joker or whatever yeah right and just like that hey, father marin is supposed to have uh, Pazuzu, had had uh, prince of the west wind yeah. uh, his as his uh, as his nemesis uh, so that bugged me too. I because that it's, was... but and then it just it's the movies are not about yes it's a demon but it's a lesser demon and even in the book The Exorcist he finally gets Pazuzu in Reagan to admit that he's not Satan right like he's just which I think actually kind of makes it creepier because it's just this like random demon that goes around preying on kids and right. the weak willed this movie. I didn't like the kid in it. I thought like the yeah. kid was like such a red That's another herring. Another one of my things too. I don't. And, it, it is that is a well finish because I, I have a lot to go. You can tell I'm, I'm chomping at the champing at the bit. And something that you pointed out that I think you'll probably mention after is like in the one that we watched before this, the person who had the demon is safely exercised and they go on to live a, a life. This one, she just dies. Yeah, he bashes her head in. Yeah, and it's like really like you couldn't have anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, you sort of hit on some some of the things that I I mean I think all of the things that I don't like from this came from what was obviously a mandate to Rennie Harlan to go back and change things that were in the first movie. The, you know, this movie is bloodier and more sexualized and has more jump scares and lighting is and more sort of ex, like explicit mythos building. Like in the 15th century, there was ba 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 and this oh, is yeah, related. I forgot about the fact that when there it was, was originally a here, yeah, right. originally it was originally buried. Only one person came away from the scene, and it was a priest and a and, and a child, right, or something right. like that. And then now, two thousand years later, it's repeated itself. And I'm like, well, then what the so, did, yeah? What? They took so the, look at the things that they that they changed most. First, they changed the the main character's story arc, which in the first movie, you know, it starts out, we understand what happened to him in the war, which yeah. is he is a priest who has lost his faith because he's encountered a world that is indifferent to the presence of evil. Why should he carry the burden of caring about the presence of evil when all it does is cause him grief? Okay? Yeah. And that creates a nice arc, which the demon uses against him, saying, you know, I can set you free from caring about uh, about evil in the world. It's a nice arc. It's an interesting arc. And then he gets his faith back by sort of, you know, it's not a terribly, you know, original story. Arc, but, no, you know, but... but it works as an arc. So you completely get rid of that and replace it with a, a melodrama twists plot where the whole thing becomes a mystery of who's the devil. We think it's the kid. Yoink. It's the girl. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. I and mean, it's been the girl the whole time. Whoa. Right. And it's a total mid 2000s shitty twist ending thing. Because, like, at least in the version, the first version that we watched, the devil does, like, the demon does jump into the girl, but it jumps. It's able right. to jump. It's always it's been more in like Chiche, in, um, though. Fallen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that bugged me, too, because Chiche, the guy, the kid who played Chiche, was, it was a great performance in that first movie. And I really regretted that he wasn't in this movie. But given that they changed so, – so they did that. They so, switched out the weirdo for the cute African kid. Right. So then they did that, um, which gets rid of the whole clash of cultures thing 
in the first movie too because remember there was the whole thing about they, the, the starting of the school and the kids all started going to the school because we were scared of what your Jesus can do mm-hmm. which again goes to that issue of the of the priest who's like why am I why do I care about the world when these people are just motivated by the same fears as everybody else the fear of the most powerful god or the most angry demon or whatever which again you know not super original but it was well done and then the thing like you said that bugged me the most was just all of the when you watch them side by side how much they've added sexualization in the character of that doctor um in terms of really amping up her sexuality, she's got mist all over her breasts all the time, and they have a makeout scene. She starts bleeding from her junk, uh, and then well, her key Josh, temptation. What? To be fair, we women, all, women bleed from their junk. But it was it was in response to a demon thing. No, I know. Isn't it always <laughs> Isn't in it response always, to a demon thing? <laughs> uh, and then again, in the end, you know, it becomes her. How does the devil seduce him? Not with. You know, something we've established as his character flaw, which is him wanting to be free of caring about evil in the world, which I think is something priests probably actually do struggle with, you know, because yeah. they are burdened by having to care. That's their job. Uh, but, oh, he's a man. He wants to put his dick in her. And she talks about, like, don't you want to fuck me in the ass and stuff like that uh, in this movie. In this and movie. again, I think that maybe if she had done that once, it would have been creepy. And or then... if we had established that he left the church because he wanted to find a girl. Yeah, or because he wanted to fuck something in the ass. Right. But instead it just becomes, oh, those women, they're devils. Put it in their butt. Put it in the devil's butt. <laughs> um, that's what this should have been called. Exorcist, colon, put it in the devil's butt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and then, yeah, so it, and it got rid of that Clash of Cultures thing, which I really liked. And uh, I, I just, I thought, watching them side by side, it's really obvious how much they just said it needs blood and tits. Yeah, and also, even though it had more money to work with, it didn't feel nearly as atmospheric or spooky. No, it, here's what it looked like. They had more extras, because there's a lot of extras and like animals and sheep running around, mm-hmm. uh, and shit tons of digital post-processing to push it into that mid-2000s teal and orange shit, because yeah. this movie is another... It's a very dark... Wall-to-wall teal and orange. Dark movie. Like, yeah. not dark, like, disturbing, but dark, like, what? who's talking? Where are they? Like, yeah. one one beam of light. So there was one thing I liked in this movie. There's one thing that I legitimately enjoyed uh, in this movie, which was the scene when the elders are exercising the kid. Mm-hmm. And there's the wind whipping through, and it whips them so hard that it, like, breaks their legs where they're standing. I liked that because, it, you know, Pazuzu is the god of the wind. Also that. Yeah, I, I thought that was very evocative, and it was something that I hadn't seen before, and I liked that. That was my favorite thing in the movie, I think. It's not like I really super liked the first movie, but watching this made me like the other one more. I thought Stellan Skarsgård was sexier in this movie. Well, yeah, because he was misted down the whole time and dressed up like Indiana Jones, as opposed to wearing his little suspenders and rolled-up khakis like he was in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've already established that... Uh, if this movie were a cocktail, it would, in fact, be the Negroni that we are enjoying today. Which, if you like Negronis, hey, watch this movie because you're a horrible person. No. <laughs> but, uh, so if the Negroni, and then I guess it works vice versa, too, because if the Negroni were a movie, it would be this damn movie. It's the uh, first time we've ever had that sort of Ouroboros I, yeah, eating its own tail movie in say, I'm situation. like, I think if the Negroni was a movie, it would be like Hellraiser Part 6. Just in the sense that, yeah, like... You're, you're, you're taking me into strange, uncharted territory. Okay. Any horror movie franchise, like, from the 80s that has had, like, a million incarnations. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they go to Manhattan. Yeah. Eventually, they go to space. Yes. Uh, eventually, they reboot. Yeah. Um, 
so in my mind, it's like one of those things where you keep, you like, you know, you, you just keep going down the rabbit hole because we kept insisting on Campari and mm-hmm. you know, we keep drinking Campari hoping to get it like, and we keep trying it with different cocktails. I keep watching Hellraiser movies because I love Hellraiser, but then mm-hmm. at the end I'm like, God damn it, that was such a dumb movie and I am not happy with myself. Yeah. There have been so many I think more Hellraiser... decent movies in the vein of The Exorcist, though, yeah. in the past 10 years. That I think sort of as a franchise, it's kind of casting about, or was until now, it's apparently completely dead. I don't know if they're re- They're doing a reboot, aren't they? I read that just the other day. Of The Exorcist? Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, no. But nay, you know, nay, but you know, nay. Things like, things like, what was the one that we saw? It was uh, The, the Debuk, Possession. The Debuk one. Yeah, The Possession. And then I watched The Right the other day, which isn't great, yeah. but which is more in the vein of The Exorcist. You're talking about the 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 one with the Dybbuk box, yeah. Right, that, that was, was the pos- that was whoo. the possession. Yeah, yeah. that was whoo. Uh, and Mama, which Mama, we really liked, really good. Yeah. So, uh, I just feel like even Session Nine, which isn't even about possession, but it, it's about you know like a, it's a very slow or Exorcism burn. of Emily Rose, which was very big. Oh, I didn't. See I didn't see that, that either, but it was sort of supposedly in the same vein. I know, Jill. Yeah, Jill's telling us to wrap it up. Man, we haven't talked about uh, about uh, Paw Patrol. The new season started. I have to catch up on it. Okay. And I, I know we you know, keep, we keep telling people we're going to catch it up on I know, it. I know, I know, I know. Do I, I need know. to just get a co-host for my Paw Patrol show? You have a Paw Patrol show? No, but I'm saying, like, if you're not going to catch up. Well, I'm just I got still... three words. I have three words for you. What? David Hyde Pierce. As your co-host? Uh, no, on the show. I'm the, I'm, that's what I'm telling you. On, on Paw Patrol. Who does he play? I'm not going to tell you anymore until you Shit watch the Shit balls, man. All okay. right. All right. So after we're done with the cod, the cod t- tails, mm-hmm. the pod tails. The cod tails. I put them in my fish soup. Um... Which is a mixture between podcast and cocktails. Oh, that, well, that leads me to my new feature that I want to do of uh, words that I would prefer not to exist in the English language. Okay, well. Okay. Do, do you think we should debut that feature now or do we should sure. wait another week? Can we I counter it themes... Can I counter it with words that should exist in the English language that don't? No, don't step on my parade. Okay. Because that's a thing that I just invented, parade stepping. <laughs> parade stepping. When the giant comes in, we've all had that experience of when yeah. the giant comes along and steps on our parade. Well, no, I'm not going to do my feature. Or like you're wearing like nails on your shoes so you can kick balloons in parades and then they just come down and so much agony and i don't know where i was going with that i'm sorry do you know what the word parade means no okay no the word that i wanted to not exist anymore was uh webinar because it pisses me off (laughs) why does it piss you off well because it's a fake portmanteau yeah that's because it's not taking part of one word and part of another word and putting them together it's taking web and then just chunking off the front of seminar and putting it Onto seminar. Webinar. It's like it's like if I said uh, I have a lunch meeting, and the new word for that is lunchding. See, when you say lunchding to me, that sounds like you're texting at lunch. Mm, fuck that shit. Or maybe it's lunching. like sexting. It's very much like sexting, but lunging. sexting is the advantage of a letter in common, a wacky novelty letter in common. Doing lunges while you're eating. I've done that. Have you done that? You can't do very many of them. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, we should probably do what you rather. Do you want to start off? You always do. Okay, Josh, mm-hmm. would you rather mm-hmm. have snakes for body hair? Every kind of body hair. Leg, arms, underarms, beard, hair. Zone. Zone. <laughs> like even that little hair that like comes out of your toe, you know, that you can't get rid of. That All is not hairs. true. Don't let that I meant generous. You know how like people like. Not fucking Frodo Baggins. Go. <laughs> All of your hair is snakes. Okay. All of it. Okay. Or... or you just don't have any body hair at all. Okay. So I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, are these snake-sized snakes or hair-sized snakes? 
What do you, you mean, like, like a hair, like a tiny, like for your beard? Like, are they are they snakes, snakes the size of hair or snakes the size of snakes? They're snakes the size of hair, but they're moving all over. I would still go go with the alopecia. You would like yeah. all over. Yeah, like no eyebrows. No eyebrows. It's fine. People do that. Ed Bagley does that. I'm okay. Unarrested development. Nowhere. 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 That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you could get a job like fetish modeling or something. I think you'd get a job fetish modeling if you had snakes for hair, too. That's probably also true. All right. So mine for you is, mm-hmm. it's another for the rest of your life one. Of course. Because I love this. Rest of your life. Every drink that you would ordinarily have that is carbonated, flat. Okay. Or, for the rest of your life, everywhere you go, uh, the smell of fingernail polish remover. How strong is the fingernail polish remover? Uh, moderate. Like, it's not like someone just, it's not like someone's, it's, it's just lingering in the it, air. It, but it's... It's such that everything you smell, you, you don't know, you're not going to smell like, you know, lobster bisque. You're going to smell lobster bisque and fingernail polish remover. Even when I'm like in the shower? Yeah. All the time. All the time? Hmm. Which one would you pick? I'm glad I don't have to pick that choice because that is uh, a difficult one. Um. I would pick having you choose. You know, I, I'm going to go with carbonated beverages. All right. Because I don't, I don't drink too many of them anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, for me, that's a much bigger thing because I pretty much drink Coke Zero morning, noon, and night. That's It's a very acrid smell, and I feel mm-hmm. like if I was exposed to it for long periods of time, it would become a headache trigger for me, and I'm all about not having migraines, mm-hmm. so... All right. Yeah, that's what I so would So that's do. us forever. You, flat drinker, me, hairless Billy. Hairless Billy and flat drinker. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ding, 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 uh, if you want to get up with us, you can send us an email, like we said, at pntcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on the web at pntcast.wordpress.com or prefernottto.com. We got a Tumblr, pntcast.tumblr.com. And if you look for us on the Faces book, just search for Prefer Not To. This is a pretty good show, don't you think? Yeah. What are we going to look at next time? What are we going to drink next time? Ooh, something that has Campari in it. No. <laughs> I will cancel this show. I will turn this show around. And go home. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll continue along in uh, James Bond-themed cocktails. Maybe we'll go something crazy. I don't know. If you have any suggestions, dear listeners, get at us. Yeah, send us a note. But until that time, uh, have a good time. We've, glad spend, we've been glad to spend some time with you, as always, and hope you will consider doing so again. Thank you for listening. That's what this should have been called. Exorcist, colon, put it in the devil's butt.